This is a world where you disrupt or you get disrupted. That's, that is the reality. I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care what you do, but that's the reality you've got to manage. And our banks culturally are still in the position of trying to protect themselves from this disruption. You can't. Hey there, welcome back to Connect. We're continuing our series of conversations with the key players leading the change in the finance and banking industry. Today, I'm sitting down with Senator Colin Deakin to discuss open banking in Canada. Senator Deakin is an independent senator from Nova Scotia and a very active member of the Senate's Committee on Banking, Trade and Commerce. He is passionate about innovation and is keen to see Canada fully embrace the opportunity that open banking represents and be an internationally competitive player in finance. Let's get started. Senator, thank you so much for being here today. Really glad to be invited, Dominic. Thanks. So, Senator, right off the bat, how would you explain to the average Canadian out there the shifts that are happening in finance in Canada today? In each different sector, and this is the beauty of, in my mind, the digital banking revolution that's going on globally, there are unique services to serve problems in that one group of people. And it's not a one-size-fits-all, here's what the banking system has to offer and make it work for you. It's what are your issues and how do we better serve those issues? And you're seeing the, the diversity of services that are emerging in the hot markets like in Europe and Asia uh, that transform people's financial lives, their ability to manage their finances, their ability to control what they're spending and where, to track what they're spending and where, and really understand how to save more effectively than they ever could before. It's those experiences that people don't currently see in Canada. But if they travel globally, they know how far we have to go to keep up. For the ones who do not travel globally, let's focus on them for a second. It's in the report that the Senate Committee on Banking, Trade and Commerce has produced, and the report of which you're, you're one of the authors. There is a lack of awareness among the Canadian greater public with regards to this open banking trend. So people in general don't know. They're not aware of these shifts. Do you think they should be more aware? And if so, which aspects specifically? Well, who has what role? Should they be more aware uh, is your question. Um, it, I think if they understood that this was about consumer-directed banking and we could change it, the, because there's a real branding issue here. Open banking, the moment I start using that term, people think it's about banking hours or all their data being out in public. Right. It's it, like it, it's not about either of those. <laughs> right. So there's a branding issue. Uh, consumer-directed banking, it's, you know, in the startup world, the world that I spent uh, the last 20 years, it's all about the problem you solve. It's not about the technology you're delivering. It's the solution to a problem that you're solving for somebody. And it's up to the company to find those problems and find the people with those problems and to solve them reliably. Right? That's, that's the startup world. We don't have that culture in our banking system right now. Our banking system is a one-size-fits-all, for the most part, uh, system that has got a tremendous track record of stability. But around us, the world is digitizing. And we need to make sure that, that Canadians get access to some of these unique services safely and securely that serve their specific needs. 
that allow our banks to really build partnerships with these digital services, uh, fintech services, that allow our banks to grow globally in a digital, entirely digital manner, build their ecosystem. So it's for me, it's about the problems you're solving for people. In rural communities in Nova Scotia, for example, a lot of them have lost their bank. There's a lot of people that don't have access to the, to specialized banking services, small business banking advice. It's just not there. They can get that same excellent advice now remotely through their phone. That, to me, is where we need to be moving so that we have uh, the ability to have highly effective, globally competitive, and highly cost-efficient financial services available in all these unique markets across the country. And you mentioned that Canadians need to be able to access these new digital services safely and securely. Right now, and your your report uh, recognizes this, there's about 4 million Canadians who access such services in a way that puts them at risk. Why do you think these millions of Canadians take the risk anyway? Uh, number one, they probably are not fully appreciating the risk. That would be the first thing. Secondly, they're getting benefits from these services that are beyond what is otherwise available in the market. And I'm a huge believer in markets. I believe you've got to follow markets and you've got to shape markets to serve the consumers within those markets through smart regulation. But if you've got regulation that isn't adjusting to market conditions, you're managing for a perfection that no longer exists or maybe never existed and not the reality of our current situation. And that's why we were so direct in suggesting, recommending to Finance Canada that they deal with the issue of screen scraping quickly, that they move on that intermediary technology. That's a technology needing to be used today because there's no other services, but it has risks associated with it. It's suboptimal. It's highly costly relative to APIs. It's not as secure as APIs, it's, it, but it's something that has to be done in order to meet the market demand today. And we want to see that intermediate step go away as quickly as possible and get to APIs that are really open up the market to many new entrants who have customers, who have clients, who want to use or access their banking data through a financial technology, either by reading the data in their bank account or writing to that bank account, initiating payments. We very much felt that this was a, something that needed to be dealt with quickly. And so do we, for the record. You mentioned Finance Canada. They've also led their own consultation on the merits of open banking and should publish their report in the near future. What do you expect or hope to see in this report? I won't prejudge it, honestly, and it'll, it'll be what it'll be. My understanding is it's already written, so it's, it's there to be published. What I do want to say about this step, though, is, is that after Finance Canada initiated their study into whether or not Canada sh should proceed with open banking, which to me that was, from my standpoint, an irrelevant question, The world is moving to open banking. Open banking is existing in, in an unsustainable form in Canada. The market is pushing for open banking. Yes, we need to move towards open banking. That's the answer there, very firmly from my standpoint. But what I'm most proud of is after they started their study, in February we started our study in the banking committee at the Senate on open banking. It's fair to say, and you look at the transcripts, many members of our committee were anything but comfortable 
with the concept of open banking early in the study. We're very uncomfortable, actually, in a lot of cases, with the concept of moving towards an open banking frame, regulatory framework. By the time we were done, there was universal support for the concept in the Senate Banking Committee and real support for urgent action being taken. That, to me, that transformation based on witness testimony, evidence, questions being asked that, are, uh, that were from a doubting perspective, from a negative standpoint, and getting the data and evidence and, and arguments down over that short period of time and publishing the report by the middle of June, I'm very proud to have been part of that. I feel that the Senate has offered an awful lot of value to Canadians in that process. And I think we're helping to push the argument ahead to get moving on open banking with haste. Um, Not in a way that people might see as reckless, but with urgency, with haste, with determination. Let's, Let's make sure that Canada competes globally, that Canada protects its citizens, that Canada is opening up its banking system to innovation. So you're obviously very passionate about open banking. You come from an entrepreneurial background. You've been involved in health and education startups. Why shifting your focus on open banking so much now as a politician? Well, when I was appointed to the Senate, the application that I put forward, I was very inspired by the fact that the Prime Minister moved to a nonpartisan independent appointments process. Uh, I'm not somebody who does well with partisanship. I don't, I, I like the arguments around an issue. I don't like fighting for a, you know, one stripe or another. Let's focus on the issues and get the best answer for those issues. So I was inspired to apply and I applied with the argument that I felt that people with experience in the startup sector had something to offer to the legislative process. And so when I found myself in the banking committee, an area where I, I, I hope to be able to offer some help. The issue of open banking came up for me when we were looking at the systemic risks and the financial crisis 10 years after the 2008 financial crisis. And I was asking questions about um, the risk of Canadian banks having their profits reduced dramatically over time because their highest margin product lines are being eaten by digital financial technology companies from around the world coming and competing for services very effectively and very cost efficiently and and offering more service for less money. Um, Nobody identified that as a risk of our witnesses, except for one. The executive vice president of of risk at at Royal Bank actually identified it as a a serious concern and a near-term concern. And these are transcripts are all in the public record. But for what was really wonderful is we took that information in the banking committee And those are insights in my mind that come from my background as a startup entrepreneur. I'm watching the amount of money going on in the fintech world, uh, being invested in the fintech world globally. I'm aware of the the tremendous disruptive nature of new fintechs globally uh, and how they're changing markets. And what's great is my committee colleagues took that and other points uh, of reference and decided to to do this study in open banking. That entrepreneurial side of things, I hope to continue to offer in the Senate because it's a perspective in the legislative process that, that uh, to me is important. So, you know, I've spent a lot of time as an entrepreneur. This is an opportunity maybe to take those lessons and, and share them in, in, the, in the legislative process in a way that perhaps might not otherwise be there. So that's why I'm inspired by it all. As part of this ongoing engagement you have with open banking, you've been talking to a lot of players in the financial and banking industry. 
What surprised you the most of the, the different things you've heard? I think the thing that perhaps didn't surprise me the most, but um, concerns me the most, and I th spend the most time thinking about, is how to help our major banks with the cultural change that they have to go through in order to start embracing open banking. I'm a big believer that the move to digital banking is a tr can be a tremendous boon for Canadian big banks. Uh, I think it'll allow them to become part of very large ecosystems that are global, not national. That rather than acquiring banks, they can be building out partnerships and, and subsidiaries and other groups that are offering financial services all over the world. Because Canada is a very trusted brand. Our banks are very trusted banks. Let's lever that to become the global player in digital banking in the next 20 years. I believe we can. I believe we had a tremendous opportunity there, but that cultural shift to move our banks from more of a moat strategy where they're protecting their markets, where they are very concerned about incrementalism, they're very hierarchical structures, uh, making changes is, takes a long time. The cultural shift from that to more of the startup culture, which is what's breeding all this disruptive innovation, is a really tough cultural change that I'm concerned that they will not manage fast enough for their own benefit and for the benefit of their shareholders. And for me, that's the part that I, as I've learned more and more, that has surprised me and caused me significant concern. This is a world where you disrupt or you get disrupted. That's, that is the reality. I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care what you do, but that's the reality you've got to manage. And our banks culturally are still in the position of trying to protect themselves from this disruption. You can't. This mode culture uh, you're talking about, other countries have been moving away from it or, or at least have started trying to move away from it. I'm thinking here the UK, Australia, who have implemented their own uh, open banking regimes. Are there any lessons from these jurisdictions that you think are applicable to our Canadian context? Uh, the big lesson for me that keeps resonating with me is on August the 1st, uh, Australia passed the Consumer Data Rights Act. And that is one of the most exciting changes that I think we can see going forward. A concern I have is that Canada is looking legislatively at privacy as something like a, a risk to be managed. It's, it's only about protecting yourself on the downside. I look at privacy and consent going forward as a huge opportunity to enable Canadians to control their data and invest their data as an asset. That's what the consumer data rights legislation is, is trying to unlock in Australia. It came out of the Australia Productivity Commission. That's who drove this legislative priority towards open banking, the legislative priority towards enabling consumer data rights in that economy. is the Australia Productivity Commission looking at how do we come up, become a more productive, competitive economy. We have to look at the ways that we can give consumers more control over their data. That is an essential element to be successful in financial technology, in the financial technology world, the digital banking world, is as consumers can control their data and say, yes, you can use these data for this period of time, for these purposes, and then get them back <laughs> and the right to be forgotten. That 
changes the business model, it changes the business dynamic, and it changes the services that can be available. And it changes the whole monetary relationship between the consumer and their provider, right? Because now, instead of this world of digital serfdom, digital slavery, which we're in right now, where the Canadian banks basically control all of our financial data, we don't, where Google and Facebook and and others control all of our activity on the internet and all the data related to that activity, that whole trail that's being created minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, is controlled by others. We cannot take those data and invest them anywhere. Our health data, we cannot take and invest in a study uh, because I have, for example, a specific disease where I wanna see research progress being made. I can't, I don't have the control to invest those in a research project with others of the similar condition. So this whole move to consumer data rights for me, it's, it's just such an exciting and important opportunity that I would like to see us move forward on. In order to get there, there's obviously a mix of different types of norms that need to be enacted. There's legislation, regulation, market-driven standards, a bunch of different things. Where is the intersection between these? Should one be predominant? What's your view on this? Well, there's enabling elements. Uh, a digital ID in Canada is crucial. And it's a, and it's a challenging issue because uh, digital identi- or identity is issued federally and provincially with different uh, rights and controls over different elements of it. But a national digital identity uh, system, I think, is urgently required. And is a very important element of our digital banking system moving forward, financial technology opportunities moving forward. Uh, Privacy data is a platform that is very important, as I just described in the Australian model, to a whole lot of sectors. How are telecom data, telecom data is used? Who has control over our telecom data? You know, just there's a whole lot of different areas where we, from my standpoint, I have to work very hard to make sure that the standards are in place that unlock the creativity and determination of Canadians. We don't have these closed systems. We have a closed banking system uh, or, or other closed systems which don't, allow, don't empower the users to become part of the solution. So those platform technologies are the key in my mind. And that's where we've got to be focused. I, I'm, I'm hoping that I can convince my colleagues in the Senate when we resume uh, to really have a strong, hard look at privacy and consent. Because there's a huge opportunity, I think, for Canadians here. Again, because we're trusted globally, because we've got a strong technology sector to lead, to not be trailing as we are right now, but to start to lead. And think of the opportunity for us to now start to disrupt these major global players like Facebook and Google and others by having legislation that says, no, actually, Canadians are in control of their data now. They can decide. You don't decide. You don't... (laughs) automatically own all of our data anymore. We're, that those business models are going to have to change. It'll allow a lot of our information to be controlled in ways perhaps we can start bringing revenue back into our journalism world, which it's, that money has been usurped. It's been taken over that, uh, you know, from our, our newspaper rooms and our TV uh, newsrooms has gone to so many of these global players, right? Uh, that advertising revenue, that can start to come back because now Canadians can invest where they see fit their data. Senator, do you see any other implications that could be triggered from changing our Canadian privacy legislation? 
Google is the world's one of the biggest repositories, Facebook and other Twitter, you know, all these major multinationals are huge repositories of our data. They're big vacuums that are swooping it up, uh, you know, minute by minute, second by second. It's become a real concern in the United States. 49 attorneys general, all but the, state, the attorney general in the state of California, are looking at, into an antitrust case against Google because of concern over the fact that Google is too important. It has too much data, too much control over the data flow from our daily lives. I look at it and say, yeah, you can go at it the antitrust route, or we could just start to change our privacy legislation to give consumers control over their data, create a market. Not, you know, we have financial markets in, in all different types of services. We have marketplaces. We should have data marketplaces, right? And now Google becomes a data marketplace that is rewarding consumers for the use of their data, how the consumer chooses to invest it. That's a fundamental shift in Google's business model, for sure. It will dramatically change uh, how they function in the world and maybe a, a faster, easier, and more, a more democratic and more market-oriented change than forcing uh, an antitrust breakup of, of Google to occur. So, there, you know, this shift is happening globally. This shift to consumers having control over their data, forget about data ownership, consumers controlling the data stream that comes off of them minute by minute, as we're seeing. That, to me, has tremendous implications in terms of opening up a more democratic uh, and more market-oriented, more innovative uh, world moving forward. And I think that's a little bit where the Australian model has tried to go versus the UK, whereas in the UK, we've told banks, you have to let consumers access their data. Whereas in the Australian model, the control has been given back in the hands of the consumers in a more, more holistic manner. Yeah, I, I just don't like it when government directs. I like it when government enables. I believe in markets. I believe in the ingenuity of people, especially the ingenuity of Canadians. And for me, I like to see things that enable Canadians to use their choice, their ingenuity to know what they want to do to further their priorities in life. There's a great saying, Canadians are always bloody minded, I think, quite often. We have our own views. We, you know, we're, we're determined to move in whatever direction we go in. And, and in the Second World War, my, my mom and dad always used to say that, um, The Field Marshal Montgomery, who was a leader in the Second War of the British forces, used to say that an order to a Canadian soldier was at least the basis for a good discussion. <laughs> and I think that, you know, what we've got to do is we've got to allow Canadians to think for themselves because Canadians like to think for themselves. Let's not tell them what to do. Let's not control their lives. Let's open up to ingenuity. By letting Canadians open up their lives, do you think there's a, a risk that consumers could not realize what they're getting into? Because we hear so often these days that, you know, nobody reads the terms and conditions. People don't know what they're embarking into. So how do you see balance reestablished in this sphere? Like what's the balance between explicit consent and consumer education in a broader manner? What's your view on this? Dominique, that's such an important point. And I, I look at how we've got to view privacy as like our building code moving forward. We don't allow buildings to operate, to be built or to operate that don't have fire exits, 
right? That have uh, leaky roofs and mold. And, you know, like we have controls over what type of, of railing height and, and, you know, that it can't be climbable on balconies, right? We, we have all these different constraints and controls through our building code that makes sure that the architecture and the construction of our buildings is as safe as possible. And it is constantly evolving, right? Constantly improving. The same should be true for how we protect our privacy. We should be helping Canadians to protect themselves from the biggest risks. You know, the Facebook app, face app that occurred in the summertime in a week, it exploded. And then somebody said, do you have any idea how much data control you've given up by accessing that little fun thing? But it was just unbelievable how it just exploded on Facebook. And then, whoops, you know, everybody's reaction was, I didn't, I, you know, of course I didn't read the terms and conditions, except, 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 that's all we do. Uh, so there's an opportunity, I think, for us to look at this uh, in a simple way that is like the building code. Let's make sure we've got fire exits. Let's make sure that we've got railings. Let's make sure that people are protected. But let's view it as architecture that, you know, as we do and, and building as we do. And, and I think that Canadians will be well protected over time, but will be free to invest as they see fit. Senator, thank you so much for these insights. Maybe to end, I would ask you, what is the next big step towards implementing a Canadian open banking regime that you would like to see happen? I'd just love to see our banks uh, to start to sit down as co-equals with fintechs and start to look at fintechs as an opportunity for tremendous global growth. I was intrigued during our The testimony we received, uh, the Canadian Bankers Association identified uh, areas of focus needed in in the open banking discussions, consumer protection, privacy and confidentiality, financial crime and financial stability. And I absolutely agree with them that those are really important issues. But what I don't agree is that our current system and our current, the, the incumbents in the system are more capable on their own of managing those issues than new entrants. I think all four of those factors can be dramatically improved, how we manage those in Canada, through new entrants. I would like to see right now our banks sitting down as co-equals with the fintech community. Identify those that are at a certain level that, that you feel are that qualify because they've got certain conditions in place that say, yes, these, these are not guys flying by the seat of their pants. They, 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 you know, they've got things in order. Um, I think, but let's get to the table. Let's sit down and say, what are the issues that we agree on? Where are the issues that we do disagree? What are the priorities? And start to make some headway today. Let's not wait for government to lead every step. But let's, let's get parties around the table. What is that table? What, what kind of forum is appropriate for this? Because I can tell you, as a fintech, uh, negotiating in a bilateral contractual relationship with a it's bank not, it's not is, gonna, is... not going to work. Exactly. It's very uneven. Yeah. Uh, and so you, that's why you I mentioned, say co-equal. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you mentioned, let's not wait for, for government to, to move ahead with this. So what is this, this right balance forum in order for this to happen? I think there's an opportunity for an, an intermediary to take a lead. Um, certainly, I've heard discussions that uh, the Canadian Standards Group are looking that they, they might be able to help. The reality is I want the conversations to begin. I'd like to help in whatever way I can to facilitate that. I know I've got a lot of colleagues who feel the same way. I don't have the answer, but 
it's amazing in different areas how people will say government should do this, government should do that. And if you wait for government to do things in life, it takes a long time. But if you go to government and say, here's the things we agree on. Here's what we agree. There's total agreement here. And that's going to be a long list, right? But here's the areas where we disagree and the reasons why. That makes it a lot easier for our regulators. It makes it a lot easier for our legislators to start to drill in and, and make, help make some progress on those tougher issues. And that's where I'd like to see us get to in this interim period. Um, but I agree. There's, there's challenges uh, through the imbalance of power right now. And our banks have a responsibility, I believe, to their shareholders. I believe to their future profits to be dealing with this in a balanced manner today. Look at the way that things are working globally. Look at the global agreements that are in place and start to move towards those. Let's get a globally competitive financial system emerging in Canada. We don't have it right now. We need it. We need the ability to, to at a far greater rate, export our trust that we have garnered with the world in different services. And I think we should be aiming much higher. I would like us to become the destination of choice for anybody who wants to access financial services globally, that they say, oh, if it's a Canadian company, I trust it. Let's, let's, let's build that out over time. Let's aim at that target, you know, that big global ecosystem target. And let's drop this protection of the, the tiny moat that we live in right now that is inconsequential globally in, in the financial industry. Let's make sure that we become hugely consequential globally. Amen to that. Senator, thank you so much for being with us today. Really pleased to be here. All right. That's all for today's episode. To keep up with the latest from Flings, check us out on our blog at flings.io slash blog and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app.